Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. My guest today is Phoebe Dunn. She's the CEO of the Amy Gillett Foundation. Uh, this show is brought to you by the wonderful, wonderful listeners who are supporting the show at patreon.com slash Osher for as little as five bucks a month. You can both help the show come to air each week and get access to exclusive episodes that only Patreon supporters will get. If you uh, like to, if you are a supporter, check your email in the coming few days. I will make sure I pop out the links for the current crop of exclusive episodes. Uh, there's some big things coming for supporters of the show. I'm working on something that won't be long. I promise you. I've just got to get some code right. That's a bit of a clue. But there's some big things coming uh, for people who do support the show. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. But until then, I do have to do the best with what I have, which is your podcast app and how iTunes counts the ratings. And so really help the show. If you don't want to donate money, what really help the show is if you left a review in the iTunes part of the store that helps other people find out about the show. And uh, so just go to the iTunes, wherever that is on your phone or on your laptop, and uh, pop, a, pop a review in there. I'm going to give out the current batch of exclusive episodes to someone who has written a review this week, and that person is you, Havana Fair, who wrote, I've been listening to this podcast for a long time. If you're a fan of life stories, this is a great podcast for you. The interviews always go deep, but never feel like gotcha journalism. Perhaps it's because Osher himself is so frank and honest about his own struggles. Really great, uplifting. Oh, thank you, Havana. Make sure you send me an email. Send Osher email at gmail.com and uh, get in touch and I'll send you those episodes. Please get in touch. Um, this week's been good. Just to check in, I was in Melbourne on some super secret business, which I'll tell you about very soon. And um, Audrey and I were, oh my goodness, I, I work in a crazy industry, right? Um, and 
some of the things that come your way, you, you really can't believe happen. And we were able to get a table at George Conlon Barris's restaurant, Press Club, uh, in Melbourne, and it was just freaking incredible. Probably the best feed I've ever had. It was completely mind-blowing. I'm going to have to save up to go and eat there again, but I can't wait to go back. It was really, really good. But I have been eating a bit, and um, luckily I've been eating because I've been hungry from working out because I don't know about you, but I follow Rich Roll on Instagram and his Instagram this week. He is back in training and, like, back in training, not in the police academy way, but in a very, very serious way. And uh, his Instagram is, is killer. Um, he's 50 and crushing it and super inspiring. So I, you know, watch Rich do that and I get out there and I swing some kettlebells around, which has been good. Human body is an amazing thing. I can do like 180 to 200 kettlebell swings now in sets of 20, but that's nuts. I couldn't do eight in a row um, three months ago. And it got me thinking about to see results, what kind of effort you need to put in and you really got to push. In my experience, I, my body doesn't change shape until I start pushing in the 90, 95% range of how much I've got. But the wonderful thing about working out is that if you can only do one push-up, if that's the absolute limit of your capacity, you've given 100% effort, and that's brilliant. And your body will adapt. To get to that 100% completely taxed, completely maxed, can't move a muscle effort, you might need to do two push-ups and give it a rest for a day or so. I wonder if you'd be able to do three. But the wonderful thing about that is every time you're given 100% effort, I mean, what that means is that if you keep increasing your volume and keep your effort up there, 95, 80, 90, 100%, you'll, you'll just keep improving. And what that means is that if a five-minute jog is all that you can do, and it's certainly been like that in my time, in my life, and five minutes of running was the absolute most I could possibly handle, and I gave it everything to get that five minutes out. I'm doing as well as Rich Roll doing an hour of hill sprints and shuttle runs. Because that's what he has to do to get to 100%. But all you need to do is maybe do five minutes. But the day after tomorrow, you'll be able to do six minutes. And that's where the magic of our bodies as humans comes into play because we keep adapting. And that's how you get your body to change. So I highly recommend listening to either Rich's podcast or my podcast, uh, today, pop the headphones in and go for a walk, maybe. Just go for a walk. You won't even realize that you're... Go for a walk. You won't even realize that you're out there. Uh, thanks to everyone who supported me uh, this week on the last week of radio. We finished up. It's been a heck of a year. Um, thanks for the support and thanks for the... I guess thanks for the leeway. Thanks for the uh, the generous offers and graciousness when I, you know, I, I started episodes and I'm super tired and, and people have been very, very kind and... Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do this year without you. Would not have been able to do this year without Patreon supporters. No way at all. Um, big thanks to two wonderful people, my audio producer, Andy Ma, and my production coordinator, Haley Van Spagna. Without the two people who work very hard on this show, there would be no show, and I'm only able to pay them because of the Patreon people. So so thank you. Thank you so much for helping make this show happen. Um, technically, I've got a few weeks off now, and I don't quite know what to do with myself. It's still It's just still Saturday, so... I've already been to the hardware store once, so might as well. That's it. Go to bed. <laughs> uh, tell me about my guest today. Phoebe Dunn is the CEO of the Amy Gillett Foundation. Amy Gillett Foundation are the people that 
put the Amita Matters billboards up around. They're the ones behind the Amita Matters bicycle safety campaign in Australia, basically saying a metre to pass under 60 kilometres an hour, way more than that if you're going over 60 kilometres an hour. My rule of thumb is just pass me like a car. Pass me like I'm just another car. Get into that other lane, go all the way around me and come back over. Um, Phoebe is a very accomplished person. She has achieved a lot. She's worked as a lawyer. She's worked for the federal government as an advisor for the Attorney General and National Security Advisor. That's a big deal. She's also worked on the state level of Chief of Staff for the Victorian government. Uh, so you, she absolutely means business. And as CEO of the Amy Gillett Foundation, she's making some pretty great things happen around the country, particularly in policy. Phoebe and I met on the weekend that me and the family went down to Lawn in Victoria to ride in that bike race, the Amy's Grand Fondo race, 120-kilometre ride through the mountains behind Lawn and Apollo Bay, including that 30-kilometre stretch along the Great Ocean Road. So we do talk a bit about the ride. I hadn't done the ride at the point when she and I speak, but it'll make sense. Um, but I hope you enjoy this because... The only thing that will make our society greater is the empowerment of women, and I'm a firm believer in that you can't be what you can't see, so I am going to be spending as much time as I can to be tracking down more powerful women, more inspiring women, more incredible women to talk to on this show, because there's been enough white dudes with the mic for way too long. So let's get on with this. Uh, the wonderful Phoebe Dunn, find her on Twitter at Phoebe, P-H-O-E-B-E-A-G-F is her name on Twitter. Hit her up on Twitter, let her know you heard her. And uh, enjoy the show. How are you, Phoebe? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're good? Yeah, I'm yeah, very well. Where, yeah. where are we? Can you describe? I'm from Queensland, so can you describe where we are? We're down in Lawn in Victoria, which is on the Great Ocean Road, one of the most beautiful stretches of road in Australia. I'd say the world. Oh, there you go. Are you riding tomorrow? I will be riding in the family fondo. Oh, so will Audrey and Gigi. Excellent. They'll be Excellent. riding in the in the family fondo, and this is the um, it's like the the big uh, landmark event of the Amy Gillett Foundation, isn't it? That's right. This is our biggest fundraiser. It also is our biggest um, time in which we help to raise awareness around the need for cycling safety on our roads. It's a great avenue for us to get that message out to the broader community. How long have you been riding bikes? I've been riding bikes ever since I was young. I was, uh, you know, brought up in uh, the Badlands of Kew, which is not a very bad place in, in, in Melbourne. But um, in those days, we could just go out for hours roaming around the streets on our bikes and my brothers and I would, you know, leave the house and come back at dinner time and just always be around and about on our bikes. Do you great. remember that sense of freedom as a little kid? Like Absolutely, absolutely. And that's part of the reason why I love this foundation is trying to get that sense of engagement with um, people of my generation who I think all have grown up riding bikes, but that's lost now with the next generation. I think our kids are not riding bikes in the way they used to be. Parents, I think, are too scared to let their kids out there on the roads um, without supervision. So kids are not really learning how to ride bikes in the same way that we grew up riding bikes. It's a real shame. Well, we were riding down big hills in Chapel Hill and... Uh as long as we hit the jumps right, uh, you manage to get <laughs> some, some good air and, and land with enough time to turn before you hit the garden bed. That's right. <laughs> there, was, there was that in the skateboards, you know, careering down the biggest hills you could find. There's something to be said, though, for being silly like that because you, you, you learn, A, you don't hurt yourself as much as you think, 
But B, you also learn what not to do. What not to do, that's right. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's great, I think, to have that capacity to let your kids roam and to be out and just have that sense of freedom that, yeah. and responsibility that comes with being able to be out there roaming uh, without be, being helicoptered by your parents the whole time. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, how much, how much risk is real about, you know, your kids. I mean, I don't know particularly about, about cycling, but, I mean, certainly with the whole stranger danger thing that came up when I was a kid, mm. um, watch out for strangers, and then you, you grow up and you realise actually most of the kind of weird kind of sexual assaults that happen on kids happen from someone they already know. That, yeah. you, know you know, that, so we've been told this reality. whole completely wrong thing about what to keep our kids worried about. Yeah, yeah, that's and, very true. You know, and, and I wonder if the same is for... You know, you know, kids on kids on bikes. Because I mean, I there was a freeway being built near our house when we were kids, and I still, when I drive down that freeway in Brisbane, I still remember. It's like mm, I used to hoon down this on my BMX when there was just construction machinery. Yeah. Well, there are a lot more cars on the road these days. Oh, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah, a lot are. more, you know, there's a lot more capacity for danger in terms of cars versus bikes. But um, but I, so I think uh, in terms of the road environment, it, it's a, it's not the same. We're not comparing the same scenario, I yeah. think. But, uh, but which is why it's even more important that we're um, raising our kids with road awareness and with yeah. um, with an understanding of of how to, you know, ride on the road safely or even walk on the footpath safely because uh, pedestrian uh, issues. Are, the, are, are quite higher as well in terms of fatalities and serious injuries. How can you pedestrians. not walk on a footpath safely? Well, it's interesting because a lot of pedestrians are um, are dying, uh, you know, every day in t- being hit by cars because they they're not take, taking care when they're crossing the roads, or um, they're not being seen by the cars when they're crossing the roads. Is that because people are looking at their phones? Please say it's not. <laughs> I think there's there's a sense of that. I know that um, the the yeah there's a sense that people are spending a lot more time staring down at screens rather than paying attention when they're when they're around and about. That's heavy. That is that is heavy. So when you were in in Q, were were you a particularly athletic kid? Oh, I think. We were we you know we walked to school. I think we had a lot more um, a- activities, uh, just but general activities rather than organised activities. So we we ran around, roamed around, cycled around, skateboarded around, walked around, and about to you know our friends' places. Our parents went around to drive us to wherever we needed to go. We either walked to the tram, took the tram, or or walked or walked and walked and walked or cycled. So yeah, we were pretty active. Yeah, I think about now. I think you know, Gigi was like, "Oh, can you give me a ride here? Can you give me a ride there?" Like, yeah. hey, man, I, re- I remember, you know, I'm going to go to Shane's place. It's yeah. a forty-minute walk. Yeah, <laughs> and there was no mobile phone to say, "Hey, I'm running a bit late. I'm five minutes away." Or you know, you made arrangements with your friends to meet up in the city, and you just made sure you were there on time. You caught the right tram. You were there at the tram stop on time. You caught, yeah. and you met up at wherever it was, you know, steps of the train station or, you know, the city square or the cinema. And uh, and that's, yeah. how you, that's how you met your friends these days. It's this constant reliance on yeah. mobile phones and transport to get you where you need to go. The car is – people are very reliant on cars in, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, – and it's – I think a lot of people also don't – 
have the perspective. I'm obviously, if you haven't been out of the country, you, that's totally understandable. But I mean, I've, I've said this on the show before. Um, Amsterdam completely ruined me. Not in the way that a lot of people say. I don't drink or I'm sober these days, maybe. Uh, but when I was like, oh, hang on, a whole society can exist like this? Yeah. But, like people, my, my, my father and mother's age just get about on bicycles. Yeah, and yeah. And no one's, everything's fine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Go to the groceries with the grocery bike with all the gear in the front. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And it's and, and people people live and they live very happily over there without the need for that massive reliance on cars. Yeah. But I guess it's also how the city's planned and, you know, obviously as we move forward in our country, um, as cities expand and hopefully planning uh, committees of governments don't just keep adding suburbs onto the edge of current cities they kind of decide to put them elsewhere, they... You know, they think about cycling infrastructure. Yeah, and they need to think about all types of infrastructure to really encourage people to have much more of a focus on active transport as opposed to a reliance on cars. And you're right, in terms of planning, cities are being built without any um, public transport infrastructure whatsoever in and mm. around Melbourne. And it's devastating because people then go and live in these suburbs and it takes them hours to get into wherever they need to go in a car and it's very expensive to to move that way as opposed to having transport at your doorstep. And that's no way to live either. No, I wouldn't enjoy it. Sitting there, I mean, as much as I love people listening to my show on the breakfast radio and they drive, because a lot of people commute from Brisbane, uh, from yeah. the Gold Coast up to Brisbane, yep. or they commute from the Sunshine Coast down to Brisbane and people will drive, they'll drive an hour and 45 yeah, it's, each yeah. way. Yeah. Maybe worse on the way home. It's completely unproductive time as yeah. well. Unless, of course, you're listening to podcasts or the radio, which, you know, mm. <laughs> can be productive. But, yeah. you know, if you, um, if you have an active transport lifestyle where you can combine, a, you know, a, a train trip with a, with a bit of a bike section mm. or a walk section, then you're going to be happier and healthier and you can also get other stuff done while, you, while you're on the train, read a book do a bit more work mm. or um, or just, uh, you know, daydream, have a bit more fun. You can't do that when you're driving. No, very dangerous. Do you ride to work? I do, I do. I ride as often as I can. Um, however, I do have children, so there are times where I do uh, drop them at school and then yeah. keep going. So when you, I mean, um, you have a fairly highfalutin white-collar job. You, you work as a lawyer. Right. I did. I yeah. did for years. Yeah. I'm now running the Amy Gillett Foundation. Oh. I, I, um, it's still a pretty highfalutin kind yeah. of job. It's a big <laughs> office job, basically. You know? Yeah, it's an it office is. Job. It is. Yeah. It is. But yeah. I'm assuming that the end of ride facilities at the AGF are pretty good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a not-for-profit foundation, we don't have the most salubrious of, uh, of headquarters. But, yes, we have shower facilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice enough and we've got a secure bike parking facilities as well, which is the important thing. Is that part of what the foundation does as well, is to talk to um, architects and talk to people that plan buildings and things like that? Well, we've got a great network of people who are supporters of the foundation, but primarily we're after, we're, our focus is on bike safety and on making Australia a safer place to ride. So encouraging people to cycle is sort of secondary to what we do. We want to get more people 
um, cycling because it's safer to ride. Ah, right. One of the one of the biggest, well, the biggest um, barrier to uptake in cycling, and this comes up time and time again in in the um, in the uh, research, is safety. So, more people would ride more often or would take up cycling if they thought it was safe to do so. So, if we can address that safety issue, then we can get more people on bikes. But that's that's an outcome as opposed to mm. a, um, a one of our key focus. What do you like on the way to work when you have a near miss? Oh, I calm and collected, of course. <laughs> the most important thing that we try and get across too is that it is a two-way street. So we're really focused on helping um, motorists and, and cyclists get along as opposed to, you know, um, recreating the war zone because it does become a war zone at times and if cyclists do the wrong thing motorists get unhappy if we want respect on the road as cyclists we need to be respectful of motorists and other other road users as well so that's a key focus of the foundation is to really um, impress upon cyclists that they need to do the right thing obey the road rules yeah. don't run red lights there's nothing that makes some motorists not all motorists um, but some some motorists get very unhappy if they see any cyclists do anything wrong and if we can be show exemplary road user behaviour, then that means that there's less um, less opportunity for people to get upset with cyclists, and then hopefully the whole behaviour around cyclists and motorists will change as a result. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some horrendous stuff in LA. I've seen, I guess, I don't know, maybe the culture over there is a little more aggressive than it is mm. here, and. I've, I've seen cyclists pull out the U-lock off their bike and, and hit cars, yeah, you know, yeah. and break a window. And I've, I've seen in Brisbane, I've seen people punch windows as a, as a cyclist. You know, I've seen all, all kinds of stuff. And as a driver, when I see a cyclist run a red light, I'm like, you're the reason people yell at me. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's exactly right. And look, you know, I understand if, if you nearly get hit by a car, it's scary and some people's natural reaction is to get angry, but that it, it's, it. it's the worst thing that can happen. Because, oh, I've done it, but my, my adrenaline's yeah, up. I'm near yeah, like I, I can yeah. still feel the, the, the feel of the wing mirror against my left arm yeah. as a, you know, and you look up and you see, I've, I've taken a guy's wing mirror off as he hit me. Right. Mm. Uh, and then he just kept Painful. driving. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I pull over and I'm just like, uh, my blood's pumping through my ears. I can't think straight. Yeah. Yeah. Because my adrenaline's so, so high. It's very hard to control yourself it in is. those situations. Well, it is, but it is, it, but what we're trying to say to cyclists is try and do the right thing. Yeah. You know, remain calm. It's in everyone's interest that we share the roads and that we learn to, to um, you know, share the roads together and be safe together because no one, no one wants to cause someone else to, to be injured or worse, you know, to die on our roads. Um, I do have a feeling of that, like, this is my opportunity to perhaps influence someone's behaviour. Well, well, if I can say anything, what should I say to the driver? Well, just say, look, I know you might not have seen me, but let's try and keep a watch out for cyclists because, you know, you've got the safety of the, the metal around you and I don't, um, you know, take, take care and please watch out for cyclists. Yeah. It's you don't pay Rego, get off my road. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't be. You should be on the freaking footpath anyway is what they say. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and th and that's a question we get all the time. Yeah. Well, it's a statement we get put to us all the time. Yeah. And the answer to that is simple. Registration actually doesn't pay for roads. No. It doesn't pay for road upgrades or anything. It, it actually just pays for the um, the TAC equivalent, you know, the Transport Action Accident Commission. So it pays for third-party insurance coverage, yeah. not the roads. Yeah. But don't bother um, me with facts in a high-emotion situation. <laughs> The best thing you can do is take a deep breath and say, see you later and keep moving on. Yeah, right. Uh, because in those, it's, it's like taking, it's like with the, um, with the one punch scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that mantra of step back things. So if you feel like your blood's rising, take a deep breath, take a step back and just pull yourself out of this scenario because it only yeah. goes downhill. It never gets better no. once everyone gets angry. No, no, it doesn't. What has you said you've been doing some research, and I'm sure you have. What does the research tell you about the way that uh, is there something that motorists think when they see a cyclist? Are we just another thing on the road? Are we not a person? Well, I think Australians are not very cycle aware, and I think it's it's because um, we're a very car reliant society. So. Mm. Um, there's, there's research around a tipping point that, that can be reached where there's enough critical mass in terms of cyclists on our roads that, that um, people then, it becomes safer because of the critical mass of cyclists. But no one really knows where that tipping mm. point is. And I think in Australia, we're a long way off that, um, given, you know, your, your experience of cycling in Europe. Um, and Amsterdam, you, they're, they're, there's critical mass there in terms of cyclists on the road. There's also a, a, a different level of um, speed often in those cities that are that it's available to motorists, so the speed zones are a lot lower, so the mm. capacity for harm is less as well. Um, and there is research to say that below 50 uh, kilometres an hour, anything above 50 kilometres an hour, if you're hit at that speed, um, the likelihood of um, fatality occurring as a cyclist goes up exponentially oh. above 50 kilometres an hour, whereas below 50, um, you know, you're more in, in the serious injury um, yeah. status. Mm. I'd rather not have a serious injury, thank no. you. No, and the serious injury is just as, just as important yeah. uh, in terms of long-term impact on health and, and happiness, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I'm not alone when... When I go riding, Audrey worries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, it's a really, it's a really um, important thing. Cycling uh, in groups is helps to create that critical mass as well. Yeah, right. But yeah. But so in Australia, we have a we have a um, we have a problem. I think in that people are just not cycling aware. So one of the things that we're working on too is just that behaviour change um, and awareness raising uh, opportunities whenever we can about raising awareness of cyclists on the road, the right to be on the road, the fact that cyclists have a right to take a full lane, they don't have to stick as close to the left as mm. possible. In fact, it's safer if you stay away from the cars for, yeah. for fear of dooring. Yes. Um, so raising awareness about cyclists' right to use the road, but also raising awareness around um, the respect that, you, that that cyclists have to give to motorists too. So, you know, that it's a two-way street um, uh, you know, awareness a yeah. campaign that we've got. 
Um, the other thing that we like that we're working on is an education campaign around new learner drivers. So the ACT has actually just brought in um, a new competency into their testing program for learner drivers. So they have to do a series of ten competencies as part to get their L plates in the ACT. They've just introduced a new one, which is learning how to ride around bikes. Learning how so to drive, drive around bikes. Around bikes so right. Yeah. So you now have to do a, a full competency around um, how to be a, a, a driver who understands what to look out for in terms of bikes on the road and bike users. My friend James Matheson likes to think that when you go for your licence, you should be made to ride your bi- ride a bicycle through traffic for one whole day. <laughs> and 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 I would be I would fully support that. Yeah. There's um there's some uh, there's an insurance company in the UK that I'm aware of that um, actually gives um, lower premiums to motorists who are bike riders as well because wow. they say they're better drivers. There you go. I'd like to think I am. So there's there's a, there's a um there's a well I I know and you know since I've been in this role I'm hyper aware of cyclists oh, yeah. of course when I'm in a car because. Uh, you know, obviously, it's what we're what we're all about. But yeah. it's interesting how when you're on the bike, the more you're on the bike, the more when you're in your car, you're hyper aware of, yeah. of bikes and bike riders. I mean, um, I'm in and out of an Uber three times a day, and it, it, so I'm in three different cars every day. Yeah. So every yeah. time I get out, I'm like, wait, wait a second, double check <laughs> yeah. before I open any door. Yeah, yeah, know? which is great, and that and that's what bike riding does. It it actually does make you a better driver. Yeah. I do want to. I mean, part of part of this trip is I'm I'm uh, uh, trying to radicalise uh, my uh, fiance and step stepdaughter into cycling. So <laughs> I think you're halfway there. <laughs> I hope so. Um, we're going to go and, and watch the Criterium later this afternoon, and my friend Bridie O'Donnell's racing. Oh, great! And she said, she said, I'll bring her bring her down. Some of the best female athletes in Australia will be there. Yeah. I'm like, good, good, good. Yeah, it's going to be great. As long as the gears really flash. I think some of the kits are really flash. The so. kits are fantastic. <laughs> and the women's cycling is really, um, really great to watch. And it's yeah. really great that this weekend they get to shine as, as women cyclists without having the men's NRS race as a component of it as well. So this is just the elite women, elite Australian women. And it's fantastic to have them showcased here, particularly in the context of the Amy Gillett Foundation event. Yeah. When you first... Uh, were approached for the role. What was the thing that surprised you most about about the Amy Gilda Foundation? I think the the passion that actually that everyone has who's involved in the foundation. Um, I've been so um, not surprised, but just overwhelmed by the amount of passion and goodwill there is out there to the foundation. Uh, in and amongst the cycling community, and that goodwill has been brought up o- over ten years. Um, and it really generated from Simon Gillett, Amy's husband, and Mary and Dennis, um, Amy's parents, in, in when they established the foundation, and through the cycling community, who still maintains great connections with us um, uh, in terms of the elite women and the uh, Cycling Australia and their support for the foundation um, through you know through the the national Australian national team, uh, they go over to Germany and visit her, the, her commemoration site over there, and send back photos. And there's still a great connection there, and and a great deal of respect in and amongst the cycling community to the foundation and what it stands for, so and what we can deliver for the cycling community. So not just for the, for the elite, of course, but but yeah. but through the whole rec. Um, 
and just uh, basic community cycling. You know, the foundation stands for everyone and um, every cyclist, but also all road users as well in terms of a, creating a safer road environment. I think that's that's the sell. Um, mm. I mean, the, the, I only do what I can do and I just basically ask our, uh, our chopper guy, our traffic guy, uh, Chopper Dave. Yep. But I just asked him. He started sending me pictures from the helicopter camera of cycling accidents. I'm like, can you just t- tweet me when the, when they happen? And certainly in the warmer months in Brisbane, every day, every day, it's a car and a bike, every day. And I just I put it out on Instagram, and you'd be amazed how many times people start wanting to fight. Uh, yeah, that's on Instagram. Yeah. They want to have. You know, fight this, that, and the other. You should get off the road, and, and it's an opportunity. I think it's all I can do, but it's an opportunity to just engage people and hopefully just change perspective a little bit at a time. That's right. A little bit at a time. Little, yeah, and it's that behaviour change that we're that we're really striving for, mm. because you know you can have um, we, we've got our legislative campaign in the Amita Matters campaign, which is absolutely vital to get the laws right to make mm. sure cyclists are protected. And, but then you need the awareness raising and the enforcement from mm. police to really help to change that mindset and change the behaviour on the roads because without without the three, um, we're not going to get there, I don't think. Yeah. But it, but it creates, a, it, it's, I think, a whole lot of voices um, and it needs to be at a whole range of yeah. levels. So there's got, got to be the stick but also the encouragement yeah. from people like you, which is why it's fantastic, you know, that, that broader reach and depth that, that perhaps, you know, that can assist with the work that we're mm. doing. When you talk about the uh, the enforcement, I saw yesterday in New South Wales Police did a... a uh, they did a blitz. Uh, they yeah. did a blitz. Um, they got five people yep. for ri- driving too close to cyclists. 1,100 and something people texting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While driving. And... and <laughs> And for us, I mean, it's a whole range of, of uh, there's a whole range of issues uh, in and around those figures. But five is, is fantastic because it yeah. shows the New South Wales police are out there aware of the new laws yeah. and enforcing the new laws. Yeah. And in actual fact, for the foundation, um, the number in, in and of itself is not the important thing. Actually, we don't care if no one gets gets fined for yeah. if it means that motorists are giving the right amount of space and that and that cyclists are protected as a result. So yeah. that, that would be the, the best outcome at, at the end of the day is if um, cyclists are being given space and no one needs to get fined because they can't find anyone doing the wrong thing. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking of myself. Texting is a problem though. Oh, I – and my friend who rides motorbikes um, says the same thing. He says – he says, as a, as a motorbike rider, it's gotten safer on the road because when the light goes green, no one's looking at it. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. And he, because as a motorcycle rider, you're looking down into people's laps. That's right. Of course and as you a cyclist, are. you're yep. looking down into people's laps. And it's the same. <laughs> it's, it's actually terrifying. And you see people sort of holding it with one hand and holding the wheel with the other, or, you know. Less so that anymore because most people have the hands when free hold, now. Yeah. yeah, but um, but it's this: it's the texting or the or the Facebooking. I'm telling you, I, if I'm ever if I'm riding behind someone and they're they're kind of erratic, I I will bet you ten to one that when I pull up to them at the lights, they're they're on their phone. Yep, yep. 
And you can see it. You can see it in the braking behaviour and the yeah. slight swerving. They're not quite straight driving. It's, yeah, it's, it's frightening actually. And as a, as a cyclist, you, yeah, you, you certainly see that. You, you mentioned um, the metre matters and enforcing that. What's the role of the foundation as far as when it does come to policy and, and making those calls and going to visit the people that do put the policy through Parliament? So we've been very active in that campaign. It's our signature campaign. Um, uh, we now have five states and territories in Australia with the Meta Matters laws in place, which is a great result, and we're aiming for um, uniform laws right across Australia. And were you uh, a part of creating those laws? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So we worked with the governments and um, in, in terms of implementing those laws um, and worked with them in terms of uh, advertising and awareness raising about those laws. So uh, we were really... Um, overwhelmed when Queensland earlier this Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Yeah, turned their trial into into a um, into permanent laws, and I was lucky enough to be up there for the announcement of Give that. Give me a week of radio. Which was, <laughs> I was stoked. It was a great. It was a really great outcome. And yeah. on top of that, they've you know they've just reissued their awareness raising campaign around it, which has really helped to get that message out there. And yeah. from our understanding and and the research we've done, community attitudes research up there, um, which we've commissioned, shows that cyclists are being given more space and that they're feeling safer as a result, which is exactly what we want to achieve. So we're sort of working hard on getting the other states and territories across the line that are yet to get there. We've got uh, Victoria in our sights at the moment, and that's part of what we're here down here this weekend, really trying mm. to um, raise awareness about. We've got the Minister for Road Safety, Luke Donnellan, coming down tomorrow. So um, he'll be at the start line, and it's a great opportunity for the foundation to really demonstrate that there are 6,000 riders taking to the roads tomorrow, <laughs> fully closed Great Ocean Road in support of Amita Matters, and they should come on board as quickly as possible. Are you going to get him on a bike? Uh, he's coming to open our cycling safety signs, which we're opening on the lawn to Dean's Marsh Hill. So um, he'll be ribbon cutting. Okay. Because <laughs> I wonder sometimes, you know, what would it be, you know, what would it be like to get Alan Jones on the back of a bike? What would it be to get, what's his name, Neil, what's his face in, Neil Mitchell? Neil Mitchell. What would it be to get him on, on a bike? You know, what, what would that, how would that change some of those attitudes? Because some, some of the things that I hear those guys say is, is perhaps not so recently, but maybe, you know, going back five or six years, it's kind of, it's almost... What things that they were encouraging people, like the inciting. Yeah, yeah. It's inc just not, it's far from responsible. It's know? absolutely, absolutely. Do you go, 
try and have lunch with those guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we try and educate everyone yeah. around the importance of sharing the road and yeah. um, chip away at, um, at people like the Neil Mitchells of the world who yeah. um, continue to be naysayers in this space and hopefully one day um, the critical mass of cyclists out there mm. will help to transform their opinion. What do you see, you know, as far as the critical mass and reaching that point, I think critical mass was the name of a cycling group in Sydney for a while there, I think, um, as we see, you know, electric bikes and bikes that are capable of putting people who may not have otherwise had the physical capacity in the ability of doing 25, 30 kilometres an hour yeah. on the road. What do you see those bikes coming onto the road doing to, to affect what work the foundation's doing? Well, you know, it's, uh, if, if electric bikes can help get more people out there cycling and, and get them more active and have a, have, use it as a means of active transport, then that's a great thing as far as we're concerned. Right. If it gets more people cycling and um, as provided we can make sure the cycling conditions are safe for them. And we're focused on safety, obviously. Yeah. So, um, you know, our safety um, objectives are for all types of cyclists, whether they're, um, you know, electric bike cyclists or, or pedal cyclists. Is there any incentive in, uh, in schools in, in Australia for, you know, kids who ride or things like that? Um. In terms of well, like so, for example, like you, you mentioned before, like are there are there schools that are actively promoting you know ride to school or, or anything like that? Yeah, and and a lot of the cycling clubs around Australia and um, the local cycling groups, such as you know in New South Wales, you've got um, Bicycle New South Wales in Queensland, you've got Bicycle Queensland. They they're actively engaged in um, activities such as ride to school day mm -hmm. and ride to work day, which is really about promoting the benefits of getting on your bike and getting out there and being active yeah. and and using it as a means of transport rather than relying on cars. What um, do you like about riding to work? I I really like the um, capacity just to to give myself that sense of space and air and freedom that you get when you're on when you're on the bike. Um, you always get to work feeling much better. You always get home feeling much better than when you've had to spend some time in traffic or on a crowded um, tram, as, I, as, I, as is my case. And you always feel much better, whether it's um, cycling to work or walking to work or running to work or whatever it might be. I always feel so much better when I've done that form of activity as opposed to having to rely on a car. When I uh, was... When we were... At but two seasons, Batch was shooting in um, uh, in Sydney you know, on the harbour and I had about an hour's ride. It was about 18, 20 k's, but it was through the city. So I had an hour's ride there, an hour's ride back. The best thing about riding to work is you don't have to go to gym. Yeah. You just eat anything you want. <laughs> it's freaking great. Yeah. Yeah, it really, yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it does. I mean, it really helps it, in these days when there's so little opportunity. Uh, everyone's working longer. Yeah. It's so so little opportunity to, um, to to get out and do the exercise that we all need to do. Yeah. If you can build it into your daily routine, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic outcome. But um, but also it's so much nicer than going to the gym. Oh, yeah. Sweaty gyms inside. There's nothing worse. There's mirrors. And speaking of which, there was an electric bike that just went by. Um, all the uh, all the mirrors, all the people. Gyms aren't what they used to be either. Gyms are now just full of people that don't talk to each other. Everyone's got headphones in. Yeah, and no one right. speaks to anybody. I haven't been in a gym for quite some time. No, I don't actually. like them at all. Mm. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I much prefer 
I much prefer getting on my bicycle and, and, and yeah. riding and riding around. Which is the for me one of the most wonderful parts I love about working in Brisbane now that Batch has finished shooting, I'll go back up to Brisbane and the the, the cycleway infrastructure in Brisbane is extraordinary compared to other parts of of Australia. Yeah, well Queensland's really invested a lot in in bike paths and um, and bike routes to help people get to work and, yeah. and the like. And it's it's amazing. I was up there recently and the infrastructure is incredible. The South East Freeway, now I'm in Sydney right now, and it breaks my heart. They're, they're, they're right now they're widening this massive freeway that leads out of Sydney West. They're putting an extra lane on either side, which when I first got to Sydney, they just put an extra lane on. So they're just trying to push it further and further and further wide. And I'd lived in Los Angeles for, for 10 years where it had 10 lanes each yeah. way and you would still be not going anywhere. Yeah. It just, it's freeways stop working. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realise. Freeways eventually stop working if you put enough volume on them. But what Brisbane did is they put on one side, they put a two-way busway, so it's only buses that are allowed on it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And on the other side, they put a bike path. Yep. And it goes 15 k's out of town. Yep. All along the freeway route. It's brilliant. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So brilliant. And the the next thing they can start to think about is putting in, uh, as well as that sort of infrastructure, putting in the bike um, sheds at train stations yeah. so people who live out can cycle part of the way lock up their bikes jump on the train get into the cbd or wherever it is and then come back and do that at the end of the day as well so that you know you have you have a couple of forms of transport the multimodal transport yeah. as opposed to just reliance on one yeah that's the that's the only thing about the queensland rail that bugs me you can get your bike on the train but not in peak hour uh, it's just like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Defeats the purpose, really. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so I think I might get myself a foldy. Yeah. <laughs> they're fun. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> well, you look in, in London, they've done an amazing job with the with the cycle highways there and the amount of people who have those foldy bikes um, and who cycle around London, it's really huge there now. A friend of mine lived in Paris um, uh, two years, I think, and he was there before... And after they implemented the, oh, what do you call them, the city bikes, they call them in New York. Yep. The higher bikes. Like higher bikes, yeah. yep. Like the ones that just sit around Brisbane collecting dust because you're yeah. not allowed to ride them if you don't have a helmet. Melbourne too. Oh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> they, have, they, have, um, they have free helmets now in Melbourne on the bikes, in the bike share scheme. Right. Well, not in Brisbane. Right. But he told me that over the course of six weeks the city changed because people would be, because it's like a euro. Yes, and yeah. you take a bike somewhere you were going to either take a train or take a cab. Yeah. And he said the traffic was noticeably less yep. and the air was noticeably different within the space of a month and a half. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I've used that one in Paris. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the, the one I've, I've actually fanged one of those Boris bikes around London. <laughs> they, don't, they don't take very kindly being jumped. I'll just no. Put <laughs> They're quite heavy too, aren't you they? You can do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was about to say, they're quite heavy to jump, I would have thought. <laughs> they're sort of quite sturdy. Just a bunny hop over, <laughs> over curves and things like that to get out of the way of uh, uh, certain things. But, yeah, I've done it. Uh, it's, uh, it's super fun. It's, it's, it's super, super fun. So when you uh, – what were you doing before you did this? Uh, I've had um, uh, many different roles, but I started off life as a lawyer. Yeah. I worked in corporate law at a big commercial law firm here in Australia and, um, um, yeah, for nearly six years. Was there any, I I guess not everyone's been a corporate lawyer or 
had the fortune or misfortune to be in one of those offices. Was there any TV show or movie that got came anywhere close to what your workplace was like? No. No? No, unfortunately, it's all a myth. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's just a lot of hard work and long hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a terrific group of people I was working with and I've made some lifelong friends from that time. Yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's, it's nothing like LA law or anything as interesting as that. <laughs> Were you writing back then? Yeah, I, I was actually. Yeah, wow. I lived in St Kilda and I used to ride into work or run into work. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So you always arrived uh, kind of fresh doing the uh, doing the quick one two and the downstairs showers, <laughs> yeah, trying to get yourself yeah, together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a uh, we have a change room at work, and one of the other announcers, I won't say his name, but everybody knows who he is. Um, I don't think he's changed his towel in four years. Yeah. See, that's the sort of information that I really don't need to know. That's just yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to have a chat about personal hygiene. In the in the group showers, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard, really. No. It's no. not It's not that hard. Throw it out and buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> do your kids ride? Yeah, they do. Yeah? They do. Um, uh, when they were younger, we used to um, ride them to, well, I used to ride them to kinder and then to school um, just about every day. And the bike seats on the? Bike seats and the tag along. The when little trailer. Were, yeah. How fun's the trailer? They're good, yeah. Um, and then when they were, you know, old enough to ride on their own, then they would ride their own bikes. Sometimes only one way because it, it was a couple of, it was about three k's to the kinder. So uh, it, they'd go one way and then, you know, someone would pick them up and stick the bike in the back or, um, or go on public transport. But it was good. They sort of really learnt to, to ride and to love to ride and... Um, it was also a great way to um, engage with them on the way to school and and have a chat as you as you're cycling along. It's fun. Yeah, because I think that's a, I have a tandem that is super fun. Yeah, and it's the best way to have a chat with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither that's are you good. going anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, it's really good. You're all, you're. Hey, look at that! Isn't that interesting? Look over there. And Pedal the, harder. The only thing was trying to cajole them up the hill at the end of the day when they were tired from school and, um, you know, I think there were a few too many uh, promises of chocolate at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Are they old now? Uh, 13 and, what, just turned 13 and just turned 10. Uh, boys or girls? One boy and one girl. Old as the girl? Boy. Old as the boy. All right. So I've got a 12-year-old next door and she was 10 when I met her. She's 12 now. She looks older than 12. She's tall. I know, right? Um, yeah, I think Crazy. I'll, by this time next year, I think I probably will be fully grey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be asking you for tips in two years' time, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, you got anything for me? <laughs> no, no. No, no. I need all the tips I can get. She's well, already a nightmare. <laughs> all, I can tell you, all I can tell you is that um, when I met her, uh, mum, watch my dance. Ready? And that was... All she did was dance. Nice. Uh, she's that kid. She just can't yeah. stop dancing. It's wonderful. She was doing cartwheels on the beach this morning. Um, but uh, she was all about Disney princesses, Disney princesses, Disney princesses, right? And um, I was living in America and they came over and they visited me and we went to um, Disneyland. And she dressed up like Snow White. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, so, so lovely. Um, the only outfit, because she's so tall, the only outfit we could get to fit her was, how shall we say this, built for the... The, the Midwestern girl who was... Uh, a, a bit larger? Yes. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Let's just say nutrition in the Midwest in the States isn't quite 
the same as it is on the edge bits. Anyway, um, and we and so she was just she dressed as Snow White, and it's amazing when you walk through Disneyland dressed as Snow White. All the staff are trained to go. <gasps> princess is here and they bow down and they snow white our yeah. queen and they, it's amazing it's incredible she felt like it was great but as we left like the last glimpses of her childhood just slammed shut behind us we drove back from anaheim back to my place in venice turn on the tv teen wolf just half naked teenage boys with six packs fighting over girls yeah and that was it that was it that gone was it. it's all over all gone <laughs> It's all over. No more fairy stories. Yeah. No more princess stories. Yeah. Uh, this afternoon, I was just pillow. All she wants to do is pillow fight. <laughs> all she wants to do is wrestle me. That's fun. It is. That's all right. At least so, she's still engaged. It's all like, At least uh, she's still cool. If a pillow in the head is is what I get, I'll take it. So, so my my son's friends, who um, he's got some, you know, some good friends who are girls, and their mothers are despairing because. Those girls don't ever want to be seen next to their mothers anymore. You know, you'll get to that stage very soon. Right. Mm. I think Gigi still likes having Audrey around because she's just started to fit all her clothes. Ah, uh, yes. That works. And, and mum's, mum's pretty hip. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty sure when we went shopping for Audrey's present the other day, Gigi was eyeing things off like, you should really get that for her, knowing that she was just going to wardrobe <laughs> shop she's it. Gonna, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> So when you look at the the workplace that you've been through, um, you know, uh, the, earlier this week was um, – uh, we're recording this in September. It was uh, – not only was it Are You Okay Day, it was Equal Pay Day. It yeah. was, um, you know, the idea that a woman has to work 61 more days of a year to earn the same money as a man, you know, as – someone who has had privilege to my entire life mm. just given to me everything and, and it wasn't really until I, I grew up with brothers and went to an all-boys school, I just didn't see it, all right? And it's only once I see what the world is offering um, the, the women in my life that when I was married before and certainly now when I see the life and the world that is opening up for this, this wonderful kid and I see, oh, my goodness, everything is so stacked against her. What would you want... F- to say to, to, to your daughter about going into the workforce in eight years, nine years, what would you hope is different by the time she gets there? Well, um, you know, I hope we we achieve equal pay, you know. Can you now. believe you even just said that? I, I, I actually can't. And, you know, I've actually been um, really, uh, really lucky in my working career that um, I've had a lot of uh, male bosses who, are, who have been and were very incredibly supportive of female staff um, to the point where one of my first um, bosses at, at the law firm would um, quite readily say, I prefer female employees because they work harder and longer and, um, and are much more fun and interesting to be around. That was, that was his, his position on it. Uh, and in fact, at that law firm, Elizabeth Broderick, who was our um, Equal Opportunity Commissioner, um, she was a, a lawyer at that firm when I was there. So we had some really good role models uh, amongst women at that firm, but there was no doubt that there was a different, um, there, there was a sort of a different scenario for for male lawyers than female lawyers. And and in those days, I think people were still really understanding 
Not not really understanding, I should say, the differences between how men and women can work and um, and what different qualities they can bring to the workplace. So uh, I think it was very easy for the people at the top who were largely men and and still are to a certain degree. It is getting better, um, but largely men because they were used to to the, to the way they worked to to acknowledge and um, respond to performance amongst other men as opposed to understanding and responding to performance amongst women. So um, there were lots of uh, men who were able to just talk their way into pay rises, whereas women, it was not the way... Yeah, for whatever reason, it was not what you know women were inclined to do to... to to walk into an office and demand a pay rise or or really even understand that there might have been a bit of a discrepancy between what they were being paid and what their peers were being paid. So it's really interesting that there is... Um, that that is still happening so that, you know, some time later and it's, it's very concerning and... Uh, and I think the only way it is going to change is if we do get a lot more women represented at the really top echelons of um, of business and and other organisations. So, uh, you know, it still horrifies me that that we're having this conversation. It really does. Uh, and until until organisations get serious about it, it's it's going to be baby steps rather than the big step that we need to make the difference. So until we can have that. You know, the two, two. You know, when you think about what you're trying to do with cycling and what you're trying to do with, in many ways, you're trying to change a, an entire community's attitude yeah. to why, why should I change? Why should I move out of the way? Basically, yeah. you know, why should I wait eight seconds? Well, so you don't kill someone. You know, but, you know, that's another yeah. thing. Um, what would you? What would you? What, what things will you be preparing your daughter? How will you be preparing your daughter to, to, to? hit the workplace in, you know, 18, 19, when she's 18, 19? Well, I, th- I mean, I think you have to understand that you've got to contribute. So it, as long as you contribute and you can stand up and say, I've contributed, um, then you should be um, respected and being given the equal opportunity that everyone else that you're working with um, is given, mm-hmm. regardless of your gender. So just really um, understanding that you don't have to sit back and um, uh, and just... Um, accept what's given to you you have got the right to to say i've i've you know i deserve um the same and and i'm here to take the same and i'm here to give the same or more uh as your inclination made me but yeah that you don't have to sit back you can you you do you do have the have the capacity to speak out and um challenge and and really try and drive that change when you notice young women that you were working with in your previous life as a lawyer or even now at the foundation, women who are in their early 20s, mid-20s, what makes you excited about the future? I think it's there's so many really interesting... It, I, I love talking to... It sounds, it sounds weird. I love talking to younger people because there's so many exciting, interesting opportunities and uh, out there for, for, for women and for, and for guys, you know, for everyone. Um, just, you know, it's just really exciting to see the next generation of people coming out and wanting to contribute to society in a very different way than um, our parents did or, or indeed my generation has been used to. You know, the way people work these days is transforming and continues to tra- transform, you know, exponentially um, from, from how we were sort of first entered the workforce. So there's really exciting opportunities and um, that can only get better 
I hope. Um, and with the technology that, that is available now, hopefully the opportunities for greater flexibility in and amongst the workplace, which will help to generate the change in favour of more equal opportunities for women, will be there. Yeah, my, my brother works, uh, I say he works from home, he works for a, a big, very big uh, corporation, but his office has been at his house yeah. for the last few years. He goes in like once every two weeks, if that, but he takes all his meetings on his phone. He, he has like this massive three monitor setup. Um, and they just found they're more productive. People are more productive. And it's really interesting. It's a bit like what we're saying about the roads. If you can build respect in and amongst your workplace so that people don't have to question where you are or whether mm. it's uh, whether you need to have that face time in the office, which is often very unproductive. Oh. Um, you know, if you've built the respect in the workplace, then people are not going to be questioning your whereabouts or, or watching the clock. You're going to get a much more um, uh, your productive workforce. Does it make me? Television is notoriously always open plan. Yeah. Right, when you're in television production, it's like there's nothing I could. When I was working at Channel V, and you know, I was there every day, because uh, I'm mostly on set now. It's like, can you please stop coming up to my desk and talking to me? Uh, just please leave me alone. I'm trying to do stuff. Do you want to talk about the gig you went to last night? <laughs> Let's do that because I'm trying to do stuff right now. Like, please stop talking to me. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. Yeah, so you're more productive at home, right? Really annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. But then again, that's also because sometimes people just annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, that's good too. I, yeah, open plan is, uh, can, be, can be great and can be productive, but I think you still need breakout places where you can have some quiet time to get things done. I can't done. focus enough. I can't. I just can't focus enough. I need to be by myself and just like hit it, get it all done in like two hours, and then, and then, uh, then I'm done. So now you have this opportunity not only uh, to contribute to society as a uh, as a whole by hopefully promoting a safer place for cycling, therefore more cyclists, therefore at the end of the day, I'd like to think you know just a healthier society, both for the mental health and physical health. Yeah. I know. I certainly I approach my cycling as a certainly I don't do it for speed. But no. I do it because I'm a better human being to be around. And uh, often Audrey will say, well, just, just go for a ride, will you, <laughs> please? Just, yeah. just go, just ride it. Get just out. leave it out on the road yeah. and come back uh, and you'll be calm. Yep. Because yep. I find that's what happens. It's, like, it's some sort of almost like a moving meditation or it, it just tends to wash all the abrasive edges off. Yeah. And I feel, always feel better after a, a yep. bike ride every single time. But also you're, you know, promoting, as we said before, you know, um, well, you don't actually have to go out of your way and go to the gym. And then in a country where we have universal health care and at the end of the day we all pay each other's med bills, that makes it pretty – it's like a no-brainer to me. It makes a lot of sense from, yeah, yeah, from the policy makers at the top, you know, to yeah. be really encouraging people to be more active and cycling is a fantastic way of, of being more active and being able to build that as a, in as a form of transport um, compared to other types of activities. It's, it's – uh, Win-win. <laughs> What's it like when you're going to those meetings in the, with the people in government and, and trying to push policy across a table? What's it like? Oh, it really depends on which minister you're talking to and, yeah. and, and what their, um, you know, what, what personality they have and what their personal bent is as well, what, they like, what their likes and dislikes are. You've got to find um, some form of common ground and... Um, and build the respect um, at the same time to, to, to get the results. But, 
generally speaking, politicians are very hardworking people, and they and uh, they're trying to do um, you know do their jobs. And if you can find uh, some commonality and and um, and identify you know what what the policy change you want and what it's going to contribute, then they're pretty willing to listen. Even Duncan up in New South Wales. <laughs> Well, Duncan gave board in a meta matters, so you know we're happy. With, I guess he with did. I guess he did with that change, and uh, you know we're looking to work with him and his office in relation to other aspects of um, the changes that he brought in, um, which are yet to be uh, fully implemented. If so. I can help in any way with Duncan, if I can take Duncan for a nice ride around Centennial Park, <laughs> and you know show him the joys of what it feels like to you know turn your legs over in the sunshine. Well, we're working with uh, with the Centre for Road Safety in New South Wales on, a, on um, helping to identify how they can improve the communications around the Emeta Matters campaign because like, we uh, feel like there's some improvements that can be made to mm. help um, raise greater awareness about the new laws and, and um, help to generate that change that ne that's needed on the roads. For people who are listening to this and maybe the last time they rode a bike was when they were 13. Maybe they never rode a bike once they finished high school. What would you say to them about if they can't figure out a way to ride a bike uh, to and from work if there's, you know, what would you say to people about the possibility of just getting a cheap bike from Kmart and just <laughs> taking and it for a, a spin? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'd encourage as many people as possible to go and, and give it another go. Um, and there's lots of organisations around that are really happy to teach people how to, you know, get back on a bike or, or bike skills if they've never learnt to ride a bike. There's there's ample opportunity and there's, you know, there's very cheap ways of um, getting back into it, uh, whether it's just hiring a bike for a weekend and giving it a go in a safe environment like um, whether in Ocas, say, within Centennial Park or something like that in Sydney or, you know, anywhere around some of the parks if you've got kids in Melbourne where you're allowed to ride on the footpaths if you've got kids so there's lots of opportunities it's just um identifying them lots of the councils have programs mm. here in victoria there's a great organization called wheel women who we do a lot of work with and it's all about getting women back on bikes and um as well as teaching kids bike skills too so there's lots of organizations that are out there that can help get you uh get you over that fear of getting back on a bike or, or It's that like riding barrier. a bike, riding a bike. You don't forget. You don't forget. <laughs> you don't forget. You might be a bit wobbly at the start, but you don't forget. The faster you go, the easier it is. <laughs> it's the way, it's the physics of the whole thing. The more the wheels turn around, the more they stay and want to stay upright. And it's a centrifugal force. We'll talk about it another time. Uh, but yeah, the other thing, I guess, it's just, it's, it's just heaps of fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> but then, uh, look, you know, we it's it is one of those things that once you do it, you realise what you're missing. Yeah. If, if you haven't done it for a while, and it's like anything, you know, the first time you get back in the pool, if you if you're a swimmer and you haven't been swimming for a while, it's that barrier of getting back in the pool. But once you've done it, it's yeah. it, you feel fantastic. You get out, you you get off your bike, you feel fantastic, and then the day's a better day, and the week's a better week, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't agree yeah. more. You also have this opportunity, uh, particularly around this weekend. What, what are your thoughts about being able to contribute to uh, women's sport, but also elite women's sport, as you are able to this weekend? Well, the Amy Gillett Foundation, obviously, um, 
generated because of the death of Amy Gillett, who was an elite female cyclist, and she was training with the Australian Olympic cycling team when she was killed. We have uh, the Amy Gillett Cycling Scholarship that we hold each year. And, in fact, our cycling scholar is here uh, this weekend, Louisa Lobig. So the 2016 Cycling Scholar is riding today and tomorrow. Cool. Um, yeah, so we um, we run a scholarship together with um, Cycling Australia and the and High Five um, uh, to support um, an up and coming female cyclist to take her uh, from the national level into the international level. So they she then trains with the Australian Development Squad overseas for for three months, supported by the foundation and the scholarship. So it's um it's a great it's a great thing that the foundation does to really help to promote women and women cycling um, and elite women cycling in particular which doesn't necessarily like in a lot of sports get the same level of notoriety as, mm. as men cycling but I think the Olympics show, if the Olympics showed us one thing is that women's sport is really exciting to watch absolutely the women's soccer was more. just the greatest thing ever because I know it's not cycling but it, when there was a really solid tackle that it was fair people just got up and just kept going no one ran around holding their ankles like <laughs> trying to draw a free kick it just doesn't happen it's brilliant no, no. the women's basketball was brilliant yep the track was brilliant oh it's pity about Anamias, but she I know she tried as hard as she possibly could she tried so hard and she a bronze did. medal it's not to be oh no 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 yeah do not don't yeah. get, do not get me wrong she was a little you know but there was that moment trackside where she hugged her, her uh um her, her basically her nemesis they yeah, this, that this was moment. that oh. was amazing, wasn't it? Actually, that that really brought tears to my eyes. That yeah. moment, and she's so generous spirited too. She's like a, a lovely human being, yeah, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She really, she's really, really lovely. Uh, you are, uh, a, you've got a big night ahead. Oh, the criterium is just starting. Well, we better get going. We better get we? going. Um, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. It's been a pleasure. I'm really grateful. And look, if there is anything that I can do, don't don't hesitate, please, because well, I want to make uh, as much a difference as I possibly can yeah. around things that I really believe in and therefore I can um, talk about believably. Yeah. Uh, I don't think pretty much everybody takes me seriously when I talk about <laughs> don't kill me when I'm riding my bike, please. Well, you know, I mean, we're, we're so delighted that you're here this weekend um, and, and all the support in the lead up to the event too and raising awareness for the Amida Matters campaign because it's, as I said earlier, you know, we can do as much as we can do and we keep pushing the uh, messages out by whatever avenues we have available. But there's nothing like a bit of, if you don't mind me using the term, celebrity <laughs> to help us on our way. Um, it really does give that extra push and it also pushes it into, you know, areas that we might not be able to, to yeah. reach just because of the, your popularity either on the radio or, let's do something or through in the batch. Let's figure something out in Brisbane. Fantastic. Let's let's figure something to do in Brisbane. Um, yeah, I'd love that. We can get the radio behind it. Yeah. Something... Um, yeah, yeah. We'll figure something out. We will. Like a, we will. like a fondo, like a, a yeah. small fondo, like tomorrow, yep. like a little five or ten k ride. Yeah, yep. a community fondo. Brisbane, then, Brisbane yeah. City Council is pretty easy because Brisbane City Council is the entire of Brisbane. Yeah. So if you get, you only have to talk to one person. You don't have to you yeah. know, talk to five Lord Mayors like you do out here. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, cool. All right, let's go watch some okay. ladies race. Lovely. I'll just quickly take your photo, okay? Okay.
That was Phoebe Dunn, the CEO of the Amy Gillett Foundation. Find her on Twitter, Phoebe, P-H-O-E-B-E-A-G-F, the A-G-S for Amy Gillett Foundation. Uh, thanks so much for Phoebe. Thanks for everyone in the Help Make That podcast happen. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to hear some exclusive episodes only available to people that support the show, patreon.com slash osher, O-S-H-E-R. Uh, that's it for the show today. Thank you again for everybody that does support the show on Patreon. Something big coming your way. I'm hopefully going to have it up by the end of this week, but I will let you know. Uh, Until then, um, enjoy the lead-up. This time of year is a great time of year. Um, Get on the slip and slide. Be kind to somebody this week. Look after yourself and uh, go for a walk. Yeah. Thanks heaps for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. 